It is so good to be in God's house, isn't it? To worship Him, to celebrate this meal that reminds us of His death and what He's done for us through His death. And now to hear His word about resurrection. And uh, so I invite you to take uh, your message notes from the worship guide, if you would. Take a pen in hand, if you have it, and uh, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6. And uh, today we want to share with you the next message in this message series we're calling Back to the Basics, Foundations for a Mature Faith. As you're getting ready and getting stuff out, uh, I just want to say the Bible tells us that if we're followers of Jesus, God doesn't intend for you or me to remain in spiritual infancy. He doesn't intend for us to remain a spiritual adolescent. Rather, He wants us to grow to spiritual maturity. And for that, we've got to have a solid foundation. And in Hebrews 6, the Bible identifies some of those building blocks, so to speak, some of those foundational blocks uh, that help us have a strong spiritual foundation upon which you and I can grow into spiritual maturity. Well, Today we want to look at the fifth of these building blocks, the fifth of these foundational truths. And so uh, follow along in your Bibles uh, there in Hebrews chapter 6 or on the screen behind me uh, as we look at this together. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore, in other words, based on all that Christ has done, based on all that he has accomplished for our salvation, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we leave them in the sense that we discard them, we not remember them, we don't value them anymore. Rather, it means they're so ingrained in us that we don't even have to think about them anymore. They're just a part of our understanding. And so with those elementary teachings about Jesus as a part of our understanding, the scripture says we then go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation. And he gives six foundational truths of the Christian life that we build a mature faith on. And here they are. One, repentance from acts that lead to death. Two, of faith in God. Three, instructions about baptism. Four, the laying on of hands. Five, the resurrection of the dead. And six, eternal judgment. And he says, God permitting, we will do so. Now, if you have your message notes and you're following along, you see a diagram there that forms some uh, foundation blocks. And, uh, and some of those are already filled in and uh, in your notes. And you can fill in the last two. Uh, over the last several weeks, we've looked at the, uh, the theme of uh, genuine repentance and saving faith and baptism and the laying on of hands. Today, we want to look at uh, resurrection from the dead. And, uh, and then next week, we're going to conclude our series by looking at uh, judgment, eternal judgment. And uh, so let's talk today about the resurrection from the dead. And, and as we begin doing that, I, I want to say to you a while ago, I heard a story about a pastor who was preaching on this subject, and, and he began his message on resurrection by asking his congregation, taking a poll of them and uh, saying, hey, uh, uh, how many of you would like to go to heaven? And uh, everybody raised their hand that day except for one uh, young boy who was uh, sitting near the front. And the boy was pretty conspicuous, and so the pastor thought maybe he didn't understand the question, so he asked again, uh, how many of you would like to go to heaven? And again, everybody raised their hand except this young boy. And the pastor was stumped, and so he looked at this uh, boy and he said, son, I'm asking people if they want to go to heaven. Don't you want to go to heaven? And the boy said, yes, sir, I, I do want to go to heaven. But I thought you were wanting to get a group up to go today, you know. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that, he said, you know. And 
And you know, that's how some of us may feel today, isn't it? As we talk about this theme of the resurrection from the dead, we may feel like, yeah, we want to go to heaven, but we don't want to go today. And, uh, and you know, I'd rather be around a while too. I, I think that's a pretty normal feeling. I, I mean, uh, we have families that we love. We have relationships that we cherish. Uh, we have some dreams and some hopes that we'd love to accomplish in this life. And so I understand that at the outset of this message today, we have different people hearing this message today very differently. Uh, To illustrate that, uh, let me ask uh, you a question. Let me take a poll this morning. How many of you have flown a commercial airline sometime in the last year? Anybody fly? Okay, lots of people have been on an airplane. Maybe you've gone out of Kansas City or Wichita or even Salina. And uh, do you remember when you got on that plane and the plane was ready to leave, either a flight attendant comes on the intercom or uh, a video plays on the screen and they tell you to take the card from the seat pocket in front of you and look at the card and, and they give you this speech about what to do in an emergency, where the exit rows are, how to use the oxygen mask, uh, you know, how to use your seat cushion as a flotation device, uh, you know, the speech I'm talking about. Well, well, as we heard that speech, I wonder uh, if we did take a poll today, how many of you really listen when that happens? You know, I mean, probably some of you do, but I bet a lot of you don't. I bet a lot of you could would confess that you really don't listen to that speech at all. Uh, recently, I heard a, a pastor uh, uh, share a message, and, and, and it's the inspiration for some of what I'm going to share with you this morning, but... But in his message, he was talking about the time he was in college and he was doing missions work. And, and uh, he was on the island of Borneo in East Malaysia. And he said one night, very dark night, he flew uh, from the northern part of the country to the southern part of the country. And all of a sudden, they flew into this massive thunderstorm. He said it was the most ferocious thunderstorm he had ever been in in a plane. I mean, he said the plane was bouncing all over the place. Stuff was flying all over the place. People were very unsettled, obviously, uh, and, and even scared. And he said that somewhere in the midst of that storm, the flight attendant comes on the loudspeaker. And she says, please examine the emergency card in front of you. You can bet that everybody paid attention that day. And they all looked at the card. They pulled it out really quickly, wondering what's going to happen next. Well, obviously, he's here to tell the story, and so the plan landed safely, and, and everything was fine. But, you know, uh, i got to honestly say today, some of you aren't experiencing much turbulence right now. And uh, maybe some of you who are very young haven't experienced much turbulence uh, in your life uh, at all to this point. And, and so when you hear today a message on death and on resurrection, uh, it, it seems so far away, doesn't it? But, but there's others of us here in this congregation who today will be locked in on what is being said because some of you may be uh, facing right now some difficulties in life. Maybe some of you have a life-threatening illness that you're wrestling with. It may be that many of you here have walked up to the graveside of somebody you have loved. And, and so the topic that we're talking about is something you have already pondered and you've given much thought to in the past. You're part of a group that has buried a loved one at the graveside. Maybe someone in your immediate family, a father or a mother, sister or brother, maybe even a son or a daughter. And you know that's changed you. And you know that your reflection on the resurrection has changed you. And so I understand today that there are a lot of people here who may hear this message differently and with different ears because you have walked up next to the death of someone 
you've loved. But I want to say this morning to those of you who aren't part of that group, the truth is that one day you will join that group. And uh, so I hope that you'll listen today to what the Scriptures say to us. And uh, not only will you one day join that group, but let's face it, all of us are one day going to face our own death as well. And so I hope that all of us will listen to the truths of what the Scripture teaches us today in this very foundational principle of the Christian faith that is written of in Hebrews chapter 6. And so as we have our message notes in hand, write in the first big truth that we want to talk about uh, today. Write in that first big truth, um, and it is this. The historical reality of the resurrection of Jesus is essential to the Christian gospel. It's essential. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verses 3 through 6. Paul says, For what I received I passed on to you as of what? First importance. He's saying it's essential. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, meaning some have have already died. Paul, you see, is summarizing the heart of the gospel. And he says at the heart of the gospel, at the heart of our Christian faith, is the death and the burial of Jesus that we remembered and celebrated this morning in this communion meal. But also at the heart of it is the resurrection of of Jesus Christ. And in fact, a little bit later in that chapter, uh, he says that, hey, if, if Christ has not been raised from the grave, then what I'm doing here this morning's in vain. It's worthless. The things that I'm saying to you today mean nothing. And he says, your faith means nothing if Christ has not been raised from the grave. So you see, the gospel, uh, an essential com- uh, part of that is indeed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And and why is it so important? Well, first of all, it authenticates his teaching. Write that word teaching in your message notes. In other words, it gives credence. It, it, it validates what it is that Jesus has told us. Uh, one day Jesus was with uh, Martha and uh, her brother Lazarus, who was a good friend of Jesus, had died. And, and Jesus says to her, Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now, Jesus there is talking about we'll die physically, but we won't die spiritually if we believe in him. And he asks Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And and folks, could we really believe that? If Jesus was still in the grave, we couldn't, could we? His resurrection, you see, validates and authenticates his teaching. Well, not only that, it, it also validates our, his sacrifice for our sin. It, it validates his sacrifice for our sin. In Mark 10, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. In other words, a payment of our sin. He gave his life as a ransom for many. And Paul gives us the bottom line in in 1 Corinthians 15 when he says, if Christ hasn't been raised, uh, our faith is futile. We're still in in our sins. In in other words, if if God didn't have power over the grave, how could he possibly have power over our sins? If, If Christ isn't raised from the dead, then you and I are still in our sin. 
But having a God who has power over death validates also that he has power over our sin. And so we can know that when we confess our sin to him, we are forgiven people. Another important reason for the resurrection is that it anticipates his personal return. Because Jesus said he would die and rise again and all of that came about just as he said we can know that when he says he's coming back again he's coming back again bible says in acts 111 this same jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven and then describing this jesus himself says at the time the son of man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and with great glory. And He will send His angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather His elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. He's saying, I'm coming. And what a day it's going to be. And He says, you've got to be ready because you don't know when, He says. Be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you don't expect Him. You see, Jesus' resurrection validates the truth that He is coming again one day. And what's that mean for us then? Well, what it means for us is is the fourth thing you can write there in your your message notes. And and that is that it substantiates the, the hope. It substantiates the hope of our personal resurrection. It substantiates the hope of our eternal life. Eternal life for all who have genuinely repented And come to saving faith in Christ. He's saying we too will be raised from the grave. And that's what Paul says in that great resurrection chapter. 1 Corinthians 15. When he says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first of a great harvest of all who've died. So you see, Paul says, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order, he says, to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest, and then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. Listen, what the Bible is saying here is that you and I are are lost in our sin, and, and that's because we are descendants of Adam. Adam, the first created man, sinned. And so everyone after Adam was born into sin. We we are sinful by nature. And certainly we understand that we are sinful by choice because all of us have blown it and done something wrong at some point in our life, if not pretty regularly. And as a result, result, the Bible says that because sin came into the world, mankind now will experience physical death and will also experience eternal separation from God. Those are the consequences of our sin. But the Bible and the good news of it and the good news of what we celebrated here this morning, this communion table, is that God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus into the world so that if we would believe in him, we wouldn't perish, but we would have eternal life. And what the Bible teaches us, as we saw the first uh, message of this series, uh, is that all of us who've genuinely repented, all of us who who have been walking in sin and done a U-turn in our life, and now we're walking toward Jesus, we've coming to Him in saving faith, we've experienced His forgiveness of sin, 
all of us who have done that now belong to Christ. We are still descendants of Adam, but God took care of our sin problem. And we now belong to Christ. And it's in Christ that you and I have the hope. You and I actually can have more than hope. We can have the confident expectation of resurrection and eternal life. And that's great news, isn't it? That's great news. Because not only are you and I forgiven of our sin, and we are able, as we walk through this life, to live a different life from the world, to live a life that is new and transformed, but the implications for us when we die are huge. I mean, they are huge. And what are those implications? Well, they're in the next two big truths that we want to look at this morning, those two big truths about the the resurrection from the dead. And and the first one is, is that as a Christ follower, when you and I die, our spirit, our soul, our, our immaterial part of us goes immediately. Write that in. We go immediately into the presence of Jesus Christ, which is a place of joy, and it's a place of fellowship with God and other believers. And we see that. We see Jesus say that. Uh, Luke 23, Jesus is dying on the cross and he has two criminals on crosses next to him and one rebukes Jesus and one curses Jesus, but the other, realizing who he is, comes to him in faith. And there on the cross, he says to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answers him saying, I tell you the truth. Today, today, you will be with me in paradise. Not 10 years from now, not 50,000 years from now, but today you're going to be with me in a place of joy and blessing and in fellowship with me and with God and other believers. If we had time this morning, we could look at the story of the rich man and Lazarus and, and we could see that how upon the death of Lazarus, who trusted God, Lazarus goes immediately into the presence of God. And then we can look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 7, where Paul says, as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. But one day, he says, we're going to be away from these earthly bodies. And when we are, we will be home with the Lord. And he writes in Philippians 1.21 that, hey, this life here on earth is great and it's good for me to be around. It's good for your benefit. But he said, for me, living means Christ, but dying is even better. And he says, I'm torn between the two. He says, I love being here because it's good for you. But he says, I can't wait till that day when I can go to be with God. It'll be far better. And so what the scripture tells us is that when we are a follower of Christ, When we die, we go immediately, immediately into the presence of God. Our spirit, our soul leaves this dead body and goes into paradise, a place that the Bible calls paradise and that the Bible says feels like home and it's not lost, but it's gain and it's better than anything that you and I have ever experienced. Now, in the light of that great truth for you and me, Uh, I've put a few questions in the message notes that we don't have time to look at this morning. You can read those later. Uh, And those questions are things like, you know, what about this idea of purgatory that we hear sometimes taught in in some churches, particularly the Catholic Church? Uh, Or what about the idea of soul sleep that we uh, hear taught about in in some uh, Protestant churches? Uh, Or what about this idea that, you know, seems to be a pretty popular cultural idea that when we die, uh, you know, we become angels? 
are these biblical ideas. And, and I've addressed those in the message notes. Take a look at that sometime later today. But, but as we think about all this, I, I want us to learn a term. And, and this term is a theological term that theologians uh, talk about. It's in your, in your message notes there. And it's the term intermediate state. And that's a state that, that the church uses to talk about this time when after death, our soul, our spirit is with Christ, is with God in paradise, not heaven. Because remember, Jesus talks about how he's going to prepare a place for us. That place is heaven. And one day he's coming back and we will go be in heaven. But in the in-between time, we are in a place the Bible calls paradise. And it is a place where we are in the presence of God. And being an intermediate state, by definition, it's a temporary dwelling. It's not our final destination. Well, where is our final destination? That's the third great truth that we're looking at this morning. And that's on the back page of your message notes. And it is that when Christ returns, when Christ returns, you and I will then receive our resurrection bodies. We're going to receive that resurrection body and we are going to live forever then in this new heaven the new earth that Jesus is now preparing for us. That's our final destination. And, and we aren't going to get there until Jesus comes back to earth and brings about the end of the world as we know it, brings about the bodily resurrection of all people from the grave, puts our bodies back together, reunites them with our soul, with our spirit, and then we stand before God. All people will stand before God for that final judgment that we'll talk about next week. It's one of those foundational principles that we'll end our series with. And, and the Bible talks about this in a number of places. And, and one of those places is in John 6, where, where the scripture says, uh, Jesus says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. You hear what Jesus promises? He promises that if you and I have that saving faith that we talked about in the first message of this series, he is going to raise our bodies up to be with him on the last day of history and time on earth here as we know it. And how does that happen? You know, what will that body look like? You know, I, I, I got all kinds of questions about that. In fact, I tell my kids all the time, my hope and prayer is that the last thing I'm going to say as I leave this life is, hey, this is going to be interesting, okay? But, but the Bible does give us some idea of it. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that, you know, he says, someone may ask, how are the dead raised? What kind, with what kind of body will they come? You know, uh, what time body are they going to come to heaven with? And, and, and he says that the body that's sown, in other words, put into the grave is a perishable body, but the one that's raised is imperishable. Uh, the one that goes into the grave is raised in glory, uh, is, goes into the grave in dishonor, but is raised in glory. He says it's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. And then he says a few verses later, let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will all happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, 
For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. In other words, when Jesus comes, lots of people are going to be living. They'll be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. And then he says, then he says, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture is fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. And he says, uh, almost mockingly to death, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? It's gone, he says for us as a believer. He says, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he says, he gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then there's that great text from 1 Thessalonians 4, the hope of the resurrection. Where Paul says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers who've died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. In other words, when you and I walk up to the death of a loved one who's loved Jesus Christ, we do not have to grieve as people who have no hope. He says, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and with the voice of the archangel and with a trumpet call of God. And first the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. And then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then he says, we will be with the Lord forever. And he says, encourage each other with these words. Encourage one another with these words. And all I can say is, wow, it is going to be really interesting. It really is. And uh, and I don't know totally what our glorious body is going to be like. Paul talks about in Philippians 3 that, that he's going to change us into a glorious body. And, and, and in your message notes there, we have another theological term that you can learn. And that's that term glorification. And, and that's talking about the kind of body we're going to have as resurrected bodies where our soul is reunited with our body. And, and we're going to have a body that lives forever. And, and, and I don't know what all of this is going to be. I, I mean, I have sometimes people say to me, hey, how can, how can a, a body be resurrected and put back together, uh, say, if it's been destroyed uh, in a fire or, or disintegrated by years of being in the ground? And, you know, when people ask me that, I say, hey, we're not the only people uh, to ever ask that question, but, but But believe me, if God has the capability of making the universe from nothing, right? And if God has the capability of making mankind from the dust of the ground, he'll have no problems putting a body back together again. And so as we think about this today, I ask the question, who's going to be next? You know, who's next? I don't know. And you don't know either. We don't know who's next to stand at the grave of someone we love. And we don't know who's next that, that's going to leave this life and, and, and go into the presence of God. But, but really, when you think of it, in the light of everything we've heard today, those aren't the questions that really matter, is it? The real question that matters 
is are you in Adam? Am I in Adam? Or are we in Christ? Because if we are in Christ and we have genuinely repented of our sin and we have come to Christ in saving faith, death will not have the final word. It doesn't have the final word. We will be immediately in the presence of God. And so I know this morning as I've shared this with you, some of you may have listened to this message like, you know, you're listening to the message on the plane without any worries. But some of you this week may need this message. And all of us in the future are going to need this message is at some point in the future, we are going to hit turbulence in our life. And I pray that when that day comes, the Holy Spirit of God will bring back to our hearts and our minds the truths of this message we've heard today. That death does not have the final word. And in Christ, we are in Christ, immediately go into the presence of the Lord. And one day, one day, He is coming back again. He's coming back again. And when He does, we will be raised up from the grave and given a glorified body that will live with Him forever in heaven. Let's stand for closing prayer. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would encourage our hearts with this truth that we have heard and that you would send us from this place with your blessing, that you would send us forth from this place with the joy that is ours as your people and with not just the hope but with the confident expectation of what is to come when we who love you and have turned from our sin and turned to you in saving faith One day walk from this life into the next and into your arms to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter now into your heavenly rest. God, we look forward to that day. And we pray that as we live life in this world that you would encourage us with these truths no matter what it is we face, knowing we face it. In the name of Jesus Christ and through the power of your Holy Spirit. And all God's people in agreement said, Amen. Amen. As Paul and Aaron sing, we are dismissed. Let us go forth and live these truths that we have heard today.